0: So having known that we would have uh, time this morning to recognize you as graduates, uh, I wanted to take this opportunity to give, I guess, sort of a short commencement address, as it was, uh, to you guys. uh, One that specifically focused towards you who are graduating, but also wraps all of us up as a congregation in its message and purpose. And what I really want to share with you today is the secret to know how to navigate life. Because let's be honest, sometimes life can be hard to navigate, and it can especially feel like that when you're in your junior high, high school, and college years. People are always going up and asking you, what do you want to do with your life, right? What are you going to do after graduating? I know when I was in that stage, my answer was pretty much like, I have no clue. I was just trying to make it past finals, and they just got done last week, right? Um i have no idea what i'm doing sometimes life can feel like you're in a fog and you have no idea where you are you have no idea where you're going and you have no idea how to get there at best you might have a faint outline beyond that who knows i know that's how i felt when i was graduating sometimes i still feel like that by the way as an adult sometimes we don't want to admit it because we want to be you know act all mature and stuff like that but um Sometimes we feel like we're at a loss, and we don't know where we are, we don't know where we're going, and we don't know how to get there. Especially when I start looking at the world around me, I can start feeling like that. Everything's today, if you watch the news, being labeled as fake news, disinformation, propaganda. Frankly, by people who have no ethical framework by which to make such truth statements anyway, but nonetheless, their opinions are given (laughs) And so when I have to make a decision, it can feel disorienting at times because of all the opinions and perspectives that are swirling around me. I need something to cut through that fog. Something that can cut through the darkness and confusion and can help me navigate life when I have no idea what to do or how to proceed. Well, there is something that helps us, something that God has given to help you and I pass through the confusion and fog and to successfully navigate the issues of life. And that secret regarding how to navigate life is found in 2 Peter 1, verses 19-21. through And so if you have your Bible with you, and I hope you do, please turn there this morning. And this passage was first drawn to my attention by a retired Air Force pilot when I was about to graduate from high school for myself. So it was immensely practical and helped me as I engaged in those years, and I hope they will be helpful for you as well. This seasoned member of the Air Force told me that before a pilot ever takes off, he always checks his instruments first to make sure that they are trustworthy and reliable. Why? Because as a pilot, he will often be put into situations where he will have to trust those instruments in front of him wholeheartedly in order to keep him alive. For example, this pilot told me that there were often times when he would be flying on a cloudy night over the ocean and all he'd see out his cockpit window is just blackness. So I want you to imagine that for a moment. You're, in the, you're at the pilot's seat of an airplane, speeding along 400 miles an hour, and all you see is darkness in front of you. He told me, when you have no visual clues to orient yourself by, your mind can start playing some really strange tricks on you in that moment. He said you can, you can be flying perfectly straight in your airplane and all of a sudden your mind, something within you, starts telling you that you're actually flying straight up or that you're suddenly flying straight down towards the ground. And he told me that those feelings can be insanely intense, that you can believe with every fiber of your being that you are only seconds away from crashing your airplane, And this pilot said in that moment you are faced with a decision, every pilot is, are you going to trust in something inside of yourself, your own feelings and your own perspective or are you going to trust in something trustworthy outside of yourself, your airplane's proven instruments? He said half of a pilot's training is learning to rely wholeheartedly upon those instruments outside you rather than your feelings that are going on inside you. Because if you don't learn to check your feelings and opinions by your trustworthy flight instruments, you're going to think you're pulling up or flying steady and instead fly straight into the ground. This is exactly what happened two years ago, by the way, if you were watching the news, when a helicopter crashed into the uh, Calabasas Mountains in Southern California, immediately killing the 10-time NBA championship winner Kobe Bryant his 13-year-old daughter Gianna, six family friends, and the pilot. Nobody knew what happened, and the investigators found out almost a year later after investigating that early that morning, the pilot flew into a thick fog bank that was resting over the mountains that day. And in the midst of all those thick clouds, the pilot quickly became disoriented in the fog. He climbed rapidly up to 2,000 feet, where records show that he then performed a quick turn to the south and then flew his chopper straight into the ground at over 185 miles an hour. The investigators concluded that the crash happened because the pilot abandoned his training and decided to trust his instincts in his panic rather than his instruments. He decided to trust in something inside of himself to navigate the fog around him rather than trust in something outside of himself, and the result was deadly. Listen, the result is just as deadly when we try to navigate life on our own as well and trust on ourselves rather than a trusted instrument outside ourselves. Proverbs 14.12 says this, there is a way that seems right unto, his man, unto a man, but its end leads to what? Death. Death. We cannot trust in ourselves in order to navigate life properly. We are faulty. We have faulty opinions, faulty logic. You've seen this in your math tests. right? Faulty perceptions. We have to trust in something outside of ourselves. A tool outside of ourselves by which we can navigate life rightly so that we do not metaphorically crash and burn. That tool is revealed in Second Peter chapter 1 verses 19 through 21 where we'll find the instrument for navigating at the beginning of verse 19 followed by the instruction for navigating in the middle of verse 19 followed by the illustration for navigating at the end of verse 19 and then finishing with the inspection for navigating in verses 20 through 21. So this morning We're going to see the instrument, instruction, illustration, and inspection for navigating life successfully for the glory of God. So with that in mind, let's read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. And in fact, Matt, you were absolutely right. There was another passage, and that was from last week, but providentially it worked out. You know what? I'm going to read a couple of verses for context that were going to be read this morning before we look at our verses this morning. So backing up. Verse 12 of Second Peter chapter 1. We'll read from there. The Apostle Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes these words to us. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort, so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him from the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you would do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns. And the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God whose commandments we open our mouths, pant and long for as his children. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to open up your word today. We thank you, Father, that you are a God who speaks and that you have spoken to us. As you are that God that sits above the circle of the earth, that knows the end from the beginning, you have then spoken to us so that we might have your transcendent wisdom and perspectives to guide us in our lives Father, we thank you that you have not left us without witness, that we are not blind men trying to determine what to do in life and how to do it. But you are a good shepherd that comes alongside of us, who speaks to us words of truth, and who guides us faithfully each and every day of our lives till we stand before you in glory someday. Father, I pray that this morning you would do your shepherding work Pray that you would come alongside us by your spirit and teach us your word so that we might be able to walk in a manner that is pleasing to you, pleasing to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in whose name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Now before we even look at these verses, uh, I want to just give you one important context to understand them by. First, these are Peter's final words. As he says in verse 14 of this chapter, I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. In other words, these are Peter's final words, and he knows it. And what's interesting is that Peter doesn't change his final words, even though he knows his death is drawing near. I don't know about you, but if I knew that my time of departure was drawing near, there might be some things that I would change about how I was living my life or what I might say to certain people at certain chances that I have. But in verses 12 through 15, Peter basically says, you know what, I'm just going to keep on doing what I've been doing. And I'm going to keep on saying what I've been saying all along. He says at the beginning of verse 12, I'm going to keep on reminding you of these truths. Then he says at the end of verse 12, I'm going to keep on establishing you in these truths. And then he says in verse 13, I'm going to keep on stirring you up by means of these truths. And then he says in verse 15, I'm going to make every effort to make sure that I continue to do these as I see my time of departure drawing near. In other words, Peter was not tired of what he was doing and what he was teaching. The truth that Peter was teaching was as important to him as the day he first heard it. And so Peter's saying, as I see the day of my departure drawing near, I'm not going to lean away from this message that I've been spending my whole life teaching. I'm actually going to lean into it, and I'm going to teach God's Word even more repeatedly and more insistently. Why? Because of how vitally important God's Word is to successfully navigating the issues of life. If those under his care were going to be able to continue through the chaos and disorientation of life, then Peter needed to make sure that they had the truth and understood its importance. Look at verse 19. Peter begins by highlighting the instrument for navigating life at the beginning of verse 19. Peter says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. Here, Peter lays out for us the instrument that is needed to navigate life successfully. And it is, as Peter calls it here, the prophetic word. In other words, what we have here in the scriptures is the word or the message spoken by the prophets, right? That prophetic word is what's mentioned in verse 20, the prophecies of scripture. These are the words spoken by the prophets. Why is that significant? It's significant because what the prophets spoke was the word of God. 2 Kings 21, verse 10, Hebrews 1, 1, Luke one seventy. many, many passages say the word of the Lord spoke how? Through his servants, the prophets. Or God spoke to his people how? By the mouth of his holy prophets. So this prophetic word that you hopefully have on your lap this morning, cracked open, is a divine word. As 2 Timothy 3:16 says it is breathed out by God. And Peter says here that this prophetic word is more fully confirmed. In other words it is more reliable, more trustworthy, more dependable. It is more fully confirmed. Now, there's a thousand different ways that I could say that God's word is more fully confirmed for you today. One example is simply consider how long it has been around here on planet Earth, attacked by many doubters, many accusers, and yet it has stood the test. Scripture stands every test because it is true. It is true. I know some of you as young people, if you're around the wrong crowd, you might sit there and say, wow, look at all these people asking all these questions that have never been asked before. Man, nothing's new under the sun. Those questions have been asked for thousands of years, and they've been proven wrong, and God's word has been proven true over and over and over again. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. God's word is more fully confirmed, but that's not even what Peter makes the point of here. (laughs) even though it's a point that i would like to make Um, it's more fully confirmed and you have to ask yourself why in what way is god's word more fully confirmed more fully confirmed than what the answer is than what peter has just referred to in verses 16 through 18 which was listen to this a voice that peter heard speak to him directly out of heaven Listen to this. Peter says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. Think about that. That is the most amazing experience you could ever have. There 's a lot of people that says, "You know what, I just wish I could hear God speak to me from heaven because then I would believe Him, right because in their mind, they think that experience is the most reliable. If I could only see that, then I believe Peter's saying no, there's actually something more fully confirmed than even an experience like that, and in fact that's true because when you study The New Testament in the Gospels, when a voice did speak from heaven, you'd hear some people, if you see the Gospels interpret it, one might say, well, they heard thunder, right? Or they heard a voice, or someone would say they heard a voice from heaven. So the same event, but three different people are interpreting it three different ways. When you come to the Word of God, you not only have people's experiences, but you have people's experiences confirmed by the interpretation of God himself. These are God's truths interpreted by God himself, not by man. It's in this context of this amazing, miraculous testimony from heaven that Peter says we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. That's amazing. Scripture is more confirmed, more dependable. It is a more reliable revelation from God than even hearing a voice being spoken directly out, uh, out of heaven to you. In other words, God's word is more trustworthy than any experience you could ever have in life. Ever, any experience that you might ever hope would navigate you through life. So I want you to know that. You might sit there and say, you know, I feel like I am ill-equipped for the coming weeks and months of my life as I graduate. I feel like I'm ill-equipped to be able to make decisions and know what is right and what is best because I don't have enough what? Life experience. Oh, brother and sister... Life experience is only of worth if it confirms what God's word has already said. Remember Elihu's friends that went to comfort Job? Miserable counselors, every single one of them, until Elihu, the youngest man, stands up and he says, you know what? Wisdom isn't found in years. It's found in the spirit of God as he speaks the word of God to his people. You are equipped, not because of life experiences, but because you have A word more fully confirmed. God's word is more sure than the thing that you're most sure of. God's word is more fully confirmed. In other words, it is a flight instrument. This is the illustration. It is a flight instrument that you can fully trust. Now, Peter tells us why we can fully trust it soon in verses 20 through 21. But here at the beginning, Paul simply states the fact that graduates, believers, You and I possess something sent from God that is more dependable, more reliable, and more trustworthy than anything else we will ever come in contact with in this life. We have a prophetic word more fully confirmed. This is the instrument we have been given for navigating life. Apart from it, you will crash and burn. This is the instrument for navigating life. So what are we supposed to do with it? Well, that brings us to the next phrase in verse 19, which highlights for us the instruction for navigating life the instruction for navigating life peter says here and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention so i love this see it's not like god has given us a tool by which to navigate life that is so complicated it takes a doctorate and an in-depth user's manual just to understand how we can benefit from it No, God gave us something that any single one of us as God's children can use. In His Word, God gives us an instrument for navigating life that is so trustworthy and so accessible. All we must do is simply what? Pay attention to it. Pay attention to it. Simply keep our eye on it. Like a pilot with his flight instruments, all you've got to do is pay attention to it. When it tells you to go down, go down. When it tells you to go up, go up. It's not complicated. Hallelujah. As Psalms 19, verse 7 says, God's word is so sure, it can make wise the simple. In other words, even a, na- even a simpleton can pick up God's word and obtain wisdom from it in order to navigate life because God's word is so trustworthy. But it can only do that if we're paying attention to the scriptures. And that's why Scripture is replete with commands to pay attention. Proverbs 2 verse 1 says, Make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. Isaiah 34 verse 1 says, Draw near, O nations, to hear and give attentions, O peoples. Isaiah 48 18 says, "Oh that you would have paid attention to my commandments. Why? Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Jeremiah 6.19 says, Hear, O earth, behold, I'm bringing disaster on this people, the fruit of their own devices. Why? Because they would not pay attention to my words. This is why Jesus said in Mark 4.24, Pay attention to what you hear. And why the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 2.1, We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Graduates, I want you to know that God's Word is the most reliable, dependable, trustworthy tool that you and I will ever have to help us navigate life. And if we pay attention to it, it will go well with us. We will do well to pay attention to it. But we have to pay attention. So I would encourage you, Don't get your doctorate so that you can understand God's Word because that's the only way, right? Don't look up a user's manual. Try to figure out how you're supposed to approach the Word of God. Just start reading it. Keep your eye on the instrument and God will take care of the rest. Pay attention to what we have received from God. Pay attention to God's trustworthy Word. This is the instruction for navigating life properly. Pay attention to God's trustworthy word. To what degree? That brings us at the end of verse 19 to the illustration for navigating life. The illustration for navigating life. Where Peter says, we have a prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you would do well to pay attention to. And Peter here is extremely vivid in describing how we are to pay attention to the truths of scripture. He says here in verse 19, that we are to pay attention to Scripture, he says, as to a lamp that is shining in a dark place. What a picture. God knows that there will be times in our life when we will feel like we are completely surrounded in darkness, confused, disoriented, and we are to pay attention to Scripture the same way you would pay attention to a lamp that is shining in a dark place. When I read that, one of the stories that came to my mind for me was when our family was visiting Mammoth Cave in Kentucky once while I was growing up. I don't remember much of the trip as I was young, but I do remember this. I remember the tour guide leading us down into the cave and talking to us about the many dangers that would have been present to the cave for the early pioneers that first discovered it whether it be hitting your head on a stalactite that's hanging down low or wandering off the path to fall into some deep, dark pit where no one will find you ever again. These had a distinct impression on my wild imagination as a child. And then the tour guide informed me that that we were about to experience a section of the tour as the early pioneers would. Suddenly all the lights in that section of the cave were turned off and it became completely black. You couldn't see the hand in front of your face. It was the first time I had ever experienced anything like that, and I was, I want to say I might have freaked out, but I'm just going to say I was just about to freak out. When suddenly, with a click and a whoosh, a kerosene lantern was lit and held aloft by the tour guide, and that one sole solitary lamp instantly drove out all the darkness and enabled us to see the contours of the cave around us. It's amazing how bright a kerosene lamp looks like in, in the face of total darkness. The tour guide then showed us how that lantern would have enabled the pioneers to walk along the path, to not get lost, to not hit their heads, and to avoid all the dangers around them. See, in the midst of darkness, light is your best friend. You don't take your eye off of it. You stay close to it and you follow it as nearly as possible. Otherwise, you're in danger of getting hopelessly lost. Peter says here we must pay careful attention to Scripture just like that. We're to not take our eyes off of it. We're to stay close to it. We're to follow it. Just as if you were flying into a cloud bank and you have no idea where you're going, you pay attention to the instrument in front of you as closely as possible. You trust nothing in yourself and you trust everything in that. Graduates, life, and believers, life will often be dark and confusing. And we need something to help us navigate the issues of life scripture is that instrument that would be that we would be wise to pay attention to as to a lamp shining in a dark place just as psalms 119 105 states we must let the word of god be the lamp to our feet and the light to our path we need to look to the lamp as if our life depended on it because it does without it we'll be flying blind through life confused and disoriented Proverbs 6.23 says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is a light and the way of life. We must look to the lamp of God's word. Notice, he says, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. In other words, God's word is the only thing that can bring you safely through the cloud bank of this life and out to the other side. God's Word is the only thing that can help you navigate life properly until the coming of Christ's return. God's Word is the only thing that can lead us to the point where the character of Christ is formed within us until the the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. God's Word alone. And so until those days come, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, until Christ is seen coming on clouds of glory, and until you can see that I have become just like him, for I see him as he truly is, until that day your best friend is Scripture, as of a light shining in a dark place. Pay attention to God's word. Graduates and believers, he is a path that He wants you to walk in, that He has prepared beforehand for you to successfully navigate that for the glory of God, I want to challenge you in order to be ready to read the Word of God this summer like you have never read it before. Let this summer be the time, if you've neglected in the past, to put God's Word ever before you and pay much closer attention to it than you have ever done before. Because this is the illustration of navigating life. We are to pay attention to God's word fervently like a lamp shining in a dark place. And now we finally come to the question of why. Why should we pay attention to God's word so continuously and so incessantly? Why should we pay attention to it in this way? That brings us to the inspection for navigating life in verses 20 through 21. And so this is where Peter performs, if you could say, an an instrument check. An inspection that shows us why we should pay such careful attention to God's word. So before you take off in the airplane, check your instruments. Peter does that here. Back at the beginning of verse 19, Peter states that God's word is more dependable, more reliable, and more trustworthy than anything else we will ever come in contact with in this life. He states at the beginning of verse 19 that this is the flight instrument that you can fully trust amidst the confusion that we will often face in life. And this is why. This is why you can so fully trust God's word. Because, verse 20, and there could be an entire message on this, but knowing this, first of all, no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Oh, graduates, would you please hear that? What is the most important truth that you must know about Scripture in the midst of a world that will try to throw fog all around you, particularly when it comes to the nature of God's Word? What is the first and most important thing you must know about this book? First of all, you must know that no prophecy of Scripture comes from any man's own interpretation. You do not open up the Scripture and ever read in any one portion something that is only man's mere ideas. And this is what is taught everywhere today. Well, that view that Paul writes there was just him being a male chauvinist in the world and environment in which he lived. And Genesis was written just because there was a general sense in the pagan cultures back then of the mythos that surrounded creation. And so these are just man's interpretations on events. And so let's be real. Let's interpret Scripture in terms of science and and current views and theories. And let's interpret Scripture in terms of modern ideas about sociology and sexuality. Let's just reinterpret everything because it's all just a matter of interpretation, right? Wrong. First of all, know that no prophecy comes from any man's interpretation. Why is that? It's because verse 21, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from who? Their own minds and culturally constrained opinions, right? Men spoke from God as they were Carried along by the Holy Spirit. You know what that word carried along means? It shows up in the Gospel of Mark and it pictures a, book, a boat that is absolutely getting blown about helplessly by a storm. In other words, these writers were along for the ride. God had written what he wanted written. That's how we know. See, Scripture is an expression not of man's will, but of God's. And so when you read the Bible, you are not reading the will, desires, or thoughts of men. When you read the Bible, you are reading the will, desire, and thoughts of God expressed directly by God himself. And that's why the meaning of Scripture is not up to anyone's private interpretation because it did not come from anyone's private interpretation. It came directly from God. Why is that important? It's because this is what sets God's word apart from the fog of ideas and disorienting perspectives that swirl around us, right? I mean, if scripture just revealed to us man's thoughts, how is it any different than anything else you come in contact in life? But if this is the inspired and errant word of God coming directly from him, then it is a powerful tool to help us navigate life. Because Scripture always, Scripture always has one clear, divine, objective meaning. Scripture always points us true to true north, to the divine author, and to what the divine author originally intended. The Psalms 119:89 states, "Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens." Its meaning hasn't changed. It is fixed, immovable, always reliable. It is a more sure word that is absolutely trustworthy to be able to see you through the fogs of life. So my application is simple. If you want to be ready to navigate successfully whatever this summer and year has in store, or if you're afraid that you're going to crash and burn amid the many decisions that are around you, I want to urge you this summer to take heart and to take hold of what God has given you, the prophetic word that is more fully confirmed, and pay careful attention to it this summer as to a lamp that is shining in a dark place. If you do this, you will not crash and burn. You will do well. Because this is no empty word for you. This is the word of God, which will see you through until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. You would do well to pay attention to it. So this is the word of God which I entrust to you from 2 Peter 1, 19-21, which I commit to your further study and your faithful obedience until that day dawns and until that morning star rises in all our hearts. To that end, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it is simple and clear so that men like me who are simple-minded can find wisdom to navigate life. Father, we thank you that you are that good shepherd who leads us through those dark valleys safely out the other side Because your rod and your staff, your word and your truth comforts us and guides us. Father, I pray for these graduates as they are making many decisions for the rest of their life. Father, I pray that they would know this first of all. That no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. But that it is your word. And it is that objective, transcendent truth that can navigate us, help us navigate through the subjective confusion and disorientation of life. That it is that word that is fully trustworthy, that we can cast our lives upon and know that though we might not know what the next mile is, we know what the next step is, because your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We thank you, Father, that your word is, is the guidance that will guide us through until we behold our Savior's face. So help us to be men and women of the word so that your spirit would lead us on level ground to that day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.